to From the Valley Podcast with your host, Tim Wilshere. Yeah, welcome along. It's Tuesday the 29th of October 2019. Uh, it's um, episode number 72, Valley, the From the Valley Podcast, Brisbane Business Life. I'm here with a guest I don't know too much about today, but I'm going to find out a bit about her story. Uh, through mutual friends, uh, she decided to come and have a chat with me today. It's Carla Wall. Uh, from is it CWX Advisory Group? It surely is. Thanks very much for having me here today, Tim. No Great worries. to meet you. Thank you very much. I guess where we st- usually start these podcasts, Carla, is just getting a bit of background information on yourself. So, uh, I guess letting the listeners know where you were born and what uh, early life like was like for you, where you grew up, etc. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I'm uh, from the UK, which you can probably tell from my accent. So, um, I come from a city called Coventry. I think that's where they send people to when when, uh, you don't want to talk to them ever again. Um, I've got one sister, a very small family, I guess. Um, I'm I'm blessed with one little nephew who's probably not so little now. He's about the age of 15. Um, Very close-knit family and have pretty much spent my life um, with that family up until around about 2010, 11, I think my husband and I then decided to embark on adventures over here in Australia together. Um, and it, I guess that was a really challenging um, decision at the time to make, but also yeah. one that I felt held a lot of opportunity mm-hmm. for so us. So you were to Coventry most of the time as you were, as a child, you sort of grew up in that area? Or? Uh, we moved around a fair bit. So, um, my parents had a number of business opportunities, so we actually moved schools, um, which is one of the incidents I was going to talk to you about today, yeah. that I guess grew me as an individual. Um, so we moved counties, so counties is probably... Um, like a small state sort of thing, yeah, ter- territories. Yeah. yeah, so we moved counties um, and we moved into an area where really I didn't fit in too well into that area. I was the age of 14 years old. Um, and I found myself in a situation, I guess, where everyone in that school um, had their friends from, you know, four or five years old onwards and had built those long-established relationships that you do. Yeah. Um, and, and here I was in the mix of this school with really no friends. Um, and I guess the, the result of that was I became, I guess, a little bit ostracised. Um, and bullied at one point and ultimately what happened was I ended up falling in with the wrong crowd and as a result those grades um, sadly and inevitably I guess then started to drop but I thought hey there's an opportunity in there somewhere Mm. Um, and then I guess the story grew then and has now become known as the incident in my family um, so, so brought something along for you to have a look at today. Tim. Okay, the incident. So this is my school report here that I'm showing you from uh, 1988. Wow, so 1988. Yeah. So it's quoted in so there. Year four, is that what that is? Or? Yeah, so it's the fourth year of um, the so high school. About, uh, of the high school, is yeah. it? Yeah. So, so 14 years old, yeah. So 14 years old, yeah. teenager. Yeah. Carl was one of the biggest disappointments in the school this year, not just because of her, the incident, the but incident. because uh, has not yet settled back down to the real. What does that say? The real the sc- business. The real business. 
of acquiring qualifications, she has undoubtedly learned many lessons on human behaviour. So, very interesting. Tell us about the incident then. So, it's a bit of a confronting report card, as you can imagine. And you were, I don't know if it's the same here, but you're handed those at school and then you yep. have to take them home to your parents. Yeah. So if you can picture the I scene... This, I remember this sort of thing as a child, yeah. Yeah, picture the scene, you're standing in your living room, knowing exactly what it says on the front of that report card and dreading handing it over to your parents, knowing yeah. full well what's written on the very front page. You know, mm. how, do you, how do you go from page one onwards, um, yeah. really? Um, so I guess for me that was a sliding door moment because having someone write something like that about you and knowing historically that in your previous school you were actually a straight A student okay, and now all yeah. of a sudden that was slipping. Mm. Um, I think that was where my grit determination and really my passion was born because I thought I'm not going to allow someone to tell me that here's a limitation and that will be my limitation forever. Um, so I think you know one of the key takeaways is not to accept the limitations that are upon you now as the mm. limitations of the future. Mm. So the incident, um, yeah. just getting back to that, was yeah. perhaps again where my leadership skills or collaboration may possibly have been born. Yeah. I decided, how can I become more popular? Mm. I'll have a party. So I arranged for 40 kids all to wag school at my parents place so we all signed in they were at work yes this is during school so we all signed in at (laughs) registration we all signed in at school yeah at lunchtime after the break and then we all disappeared back to my parents house and there were all sorts of things we'd arrange you know who was going to get alcohol who would get cigarettes um, what music we were going to listen to that kind of stuff um, and one of the other memories that sticks with me was my sister found out about this, and she's As do, find out. exactly. So she's slightly younger than me, um, and she arrived at home having found out there was this party, and she'd obviously got FOMO. And um, I paid her two pound to go back to school, which was a lot of money back then. But I think, <laughs> oh, being protective, big sis. <laughs> Um, sent her back to school Um, so yeah that was the the incident Um, and it really resulted so what what actually at the party did anything sort of untoward happen other than what would usually happen at a party like that like was it just like everyone drinking getting messed up or did anything like when my brother did something like this growing up he you know my parents were away and when they came home in the front the front uh, the front door's window was all smashed up yep Anything like that? No, it was probably quite sedate compared to your party then. <laughs> I wasn't there, I was still, <laughs> It was still um, one that I was grounded for many months yes, for. Yeah. Um, but yes, nothing really untoward other than kind of beer cans and fag ends being left yeah. hanging around and yeah. loud music being played, I and suppose. And just wagging school, yeah. That's right. So, um, but yeah, I really think that was a bit of a turning point for me because... You did it as a way to become popular. Yeah, and I think, you know, you, you can look at that as, I guess, what, what was I striving for? And I think for me it was belonging and con- connectedness. Um, and that's all any of us really, I guess, 
want in life is to belong to something and have the connection with those people um, and that was what was really missing um, so I had to approach life slightly differently I guess from then on continuing with the bad crowd or you know lift myself up mm-hmm. so I'm guessing you sort of lifted yourself up after that or yeah and we ended up moving about a year later as well back to the original um, school that I went to <laughs> so the original school went back to it I did um, which was good but good and bad I guess because mm. one of the other things um, which we have in the UK is when I don't know if it, this applies here but when you're um, in a different county there's different examination boards that apply to those counties mm. so you may have say a particular subject that's 50-50 marks coursework mm. versus examination in one county and in another the percentages will be completely different so it might be 20 and 80 so when I moved back I then lost all of the coursework for numerous subjects so I had a choice to make then either I accept the fact I have achieved bad grades or I take a year back in school so I did a year again so you can imagine then as well like how incredibly difficult that was to face when you'd got the people you've known all your life in the year above and then you're kind of the year below um, but it's not something I've really let deter me and I think that's how I've grown into the, the person that I am today um, and adapted my leadership style I guess over the years to um, really assist and support other people as well as myself Mm-hmm. So, so what else? I guess with when you're sort of growing up in your school years, is there any particular? Did you do any particular sports that you played, or any other hobbies that you had that were that sort of um, that you can remember? That I guess uh, not that old. Sorry, <laughs> that I can remember. No, no, you know, we forget stuff. When, <laughs> I, I forget stuff when I was yeah. a kid. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there was a few things actually. I used to run for the county, um, so I was a long distance runner. I yeah, was also cross country running myself. Yeah. yeah, I used to really enjoy that, and I was a member of the local running club, mm-hmm. um, which was great because I got to run with and train with some of the top athletes in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, from a sports, a, a school sports perspective, um, there weren't really that many of the sports that I enjoyed I was kind of enjoyed netball I guess but running was my thing um, and then from when, when sort of uh, football growing up wasn't um, big for you or? I actually played in a girls five side soccer team mm-hmm. for about a year mm-hmm. um, I think everyone followed Coventry City Football Club yep. particularly the year that we won in I think that was 1984 um, but yeah I've not really been an active I'm a football follower since. Um, I've played guitar, so I play classical guitar. I've been in a guitar quartet with the School of Music in the UK as well. Um, now I just do that for fun, I guess. It's a bit unusual to play classical guitar, I think, versus just playing by ear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so some of the hobbies growing up. What about, what do you think, what was actually your first job? What was your first... Uh, uh, bit of part-time work that you would have had 
Well, I can tell you the very first one, which lasted 24 hours, and my mum said, there's no way you can continue working there. I'm not having a daughter of mine work there. No way. And that was in a chippy. <laughs> and I spent one night in there serving fish and chips to... I was in, oh, sorry, chippery. Chi- like, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I was on chippy, you're sort of chip- saying like a, what we say in Australia, we call chippies, like, you know, carpenters. Ah, yeah. uh, okay, yeah, that's an English term then, chippy, chippy versus yeah. your chippery. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I th- it was, shop, yeah. yeah, it was located next door to the pub, so it was pretty good fun because you had lots yeah. of people coming in who were a little bit inebriated who wanted fish and chips. Yep. So um, I enjoyed that for the 24 hours I was allowed to do it. But mm-hmm. then my real first part-time job, I guess, was working for WH Smiths, who we've got a few of those stores here now. And I worked in um, the record department. Now I really am showing my age. Um and I remember laser discs being out and the seven inch, 12 inch singles, etc. And that was really, really enjoyable because you got to play all the music you liked. Mm. And what sort of music did you enjoy growing up? Um, I'm a bit of a rock fan, so um, I love ACDC. Mm. Went to see them uh, recently. Recently, okay. Yeah, I think was it last year, the year before they were here, a couple of years mm. ago. Um, you two are another favourite of mine. Yeah, classic. Yeah, going to see them in next month, I think that is. Were they here before Christmas, are they? Yeah, okay. November. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, quite a wide variety of music, I guess. Queen? Queen, love Queen, yeah. Cool. So that's good music. Um, so and that's a bit about your early jobs in records. So where did it sort of go from there, is it? Yeah, I guess... Because I'd done that extra year at school, the one thing that um, I was then looking for was not to continue studying because I'd done that additional year and I really wanted to get out into the the workplace. So I decided to look for an employer who could assist me with continuing education but working at the same time and earning a a few quid. Um, So I actually went and worked in the manufacturing industry for... I think it was seven years in the end. I had a two-year apprenticeship mm-hmm. and I studied a qualification called the Association of Accounting Technicians. Um, and the reason I did that was because I had a thirst for business. Um, at school, I'd done pretty well with business studies. Not so well with mathematics, I might add. I only got a, a grade C for that. So even though you sort of got into that industry to a degree, your yeah. grades weren't that great to begin with. I did pretty well um, in the end, just yeah. the maths side wasn't okay. particularly that strong, but it was yeah. a C. But I think there's aspects of management accounting where it's not necessarily all mathematically focused, it's around the strategic side of the yep. business, yep. Uh, and that was where my strengths were on the business studies side. Mm. Um, so I guess from there on in, um, I began focusing on accounting. Mm. Um, and landed myself in the construction industry which has been a really exciting and challenging place to work I guess I'm facing I guess numerous challenges mm. working on project sites um, mm. and also in the corporate so obviously environment working for the company you know companies like uh, that obviously large larger scale yeah. construction companies and that sort of thing yeah Yes, yeah, so I worked for one of the major contractors in the UK called Morgan Sindel. Um, I was there 13 years, worked there twice in 13 years. 
um, in various roles from um, the systems accountant through to management accountant and then um, the financial controller. Yeah. So it was an exciting, I guess the last project I was on there was a really exciting one. It was um, it, on the M1 motorway in Nottingham, it was wide, widening um, the motorway to four lanes and building various bridge structures. Um, and I was one of very few women I would suggest on site, um, but I think as a as a woman in that industry, again, going back to being 14 years old, I think you have to really dig deep, have some grit, determination, and passion mm. to pull yourself up shoulder to shoulder to the guys that are on site. Mm. Um, and to a degree, I guess you're giving as good as you get. Um, and, I, and some of those behaviours, um, I guess, that occurred on sites back then, you know, would would not be acceptable in this this day and age. Um, but there's something that you know you just learn to deal with, and you grow quite broad shoulders and and push back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I arrived here in Australia, I ended landed a job with Downer. Mm-hmm. So again, in the um, construction space, but on, on an oil and gas project. But I found. Um, so that was it based out of Melbourne? Or? Yeah, it was in Melbourne. I found the one thing that I've always stayed true to are my personal values. So you've got to have those aligned with your company values and be in sync with those as soon as you're getting out of sync with those I think you're you know in a, in a world of pain potentially in terms of the direction that you're heading in mm-hmm. um, so all the teams that I've built and created over the years have had a big values focus um, particularly around like we were talking about before the connectedness the belonging the ability to have truth trust and transparency within that team um, and they're really challenging things, I think, to bring together. Um, but at the same time, they're also deeply rewarding things, I think, to bring together as a as a leader within an organisation. Um, and um, hopefully, that's been recognised, I guess, over the last few years in terms of the leadership that I've offered um, most recently at Construction Industry Solutions, um, which is a software company in the construction industry. Um, where we, we took a bit of a strategic focus in terms of how do we build credibility now externally for this amazing team that we've we've now got within the organisation and embarked on an awards process. Um, this is where our mutual hey, friend so comes Carol, in. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I actually embarked on this awards process, um, not about myself, um, but about my team. Mm-hmm. So... I really wanted to give the team visibility through the Women in Technology group. Um, when I joined Coins, there was um, only one other woman working in that team. It was quite a small team, and the cliche, she was the receptionist. So I decided to make it my mission to really try and bring um, gender equality and more inclusivity into that team. Mm-hmm. So I spent a few years working on that, um, not just changing... I guess, um, policies and processes, but also focusing on um, developing behaviours within the team to, to make it an inclusive place for, for women and for men to work. Mm-hmm. So we applied for uh, the Employer of Choice 
award and at the same time um, Caroline said to me hey I think you should go in for the women in business award and, and I said what do you mean she said I've been talking to your team about the amazing initiatives that you've put in place and the difference to their lives that it's made not just for them as individuals but also their families um, and I told her not to be so ridiculous and she said no 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 she said I'm going to put you in two categories business achiever and businesswoman of the year and I, I just laughed at Caroline and said I think you're off your mind Caroline you know there's there's no way I'd be in either of those categories um, anyway she convinced me that it was the way to go okay. um, yeah so we became a finalist for employer of choice and I won the Brisbane Businesswoman of the Year in 2018 so wow. that was a pretty special moment for me yeah. um, and I guess you know it showed the hard work and dedication that I've put in over the years was really reflected in that moment for me and I'm so pleased that Caroline and the team saw things in me that I just kind of thought hey I'm just doing Doing my job. job yeah yeah I'm just doing my job um so that's been a yeah a really defining moment I guess for me personally and professionally so I mean it's something like this is obviously it's great to get recognized and it's great to to sort of you know uh, be be in the conversation yeah. to win awards and, and that sort of yeah. thing um and you and it's for you it's you, you said it wasn't that ex, not not nothing you sort of expected so yeah I guess what what is the is what's the goal then I guess what what's the motivation with the way I guess with your work environment and what you're currently doing and where you're sort of going yeah um, the motivation in my prior employment I guess was to drive the inclusivity and the diversity and allow mm. women to come back into the workplace yeah. Um, it can be really challenging, I think, um, for men and women, mm. if they're not invested in as individuals. Um, you know, I think there's there's four ingredients really for empowering people at work, um, and it's really around developing uh, self confidence, giving them some exposure, um, developing their independence, and the fourth one, um, which is the biggest, is the education piece. Um, so that's been one of my focus areas, I guess, for bringing women into business and also focusing on the guys at the same time to make sure they're not left out. Um, and I think, um, you know, everything we do impacts other people. Therefore, it's important to adopt a leadership style um, that I think is clear and, and kind, um, empathetic, you know, lead with compassion and courage. Mm -hmm. um, and a, a lot of people, I think, listen to those words and they think that's some namby-pamby, wussy, weak style of management. And in fact, I think it can be the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. It's quite a courageous, determined mm -hmm. um, focus that you have as a leader when you adopt those kind of styles. You know, mm -hmm. you're still having difficult conversations. Um, you're still making those hard decisions as a leader. Um, and as the leader, I think you know your team will learn to love and respect that mm. style of leadership over time, mm. and you you end up with a more successful team. Mm. Um, so I guess in terms of present day, I really had an aspiration. I guess having won a couple of awards over the last few years, of starting to focus on doing something for myself mm. rather than 
managing someone else's business. So that's where I've ended up today, I guess, mm. with CWX. Mm. Excellent. So again, I mean, if you sort of if we sort of travel back to the incident, you obviously had um, you obviously wanted to become known uh, as when you were young, yeah. um, going through that that process there, and then obviously learning from that. Um, from from what I gather, I'm not, I'm not an expert by any means, but I think um, from what I can, from what the impression that I'm getting from you is that you sort of lead in a way that's that's sort of uh, well, I don't know if you, I wouldn't call you like an out there extrovert. Yeah. Um, I'd sort of more, more sort of think along the lines of leading by, you know, sort of by by example. Yeah. Uh, in an introverted way, what would you say about that? I'd say that's probably an accurate reflection. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a complete extrovert, and I wouldn't say I'm yeah. an introvert. I'm somewhere in the middle of those two playing fields, I think. Um, and I think I think I often say that as well. <laughs> yeah, being a fellow accountant, you'll understand yeah. completely yeah. what I'm, yeah. I'm saying there. Um, and I guess having that blend is really quite useful. Yeah. Um, because you can empathise with um, introverts, extroverts, yeah. um, but also at the same time understand that strategically you need to play that extrovert part of yourself yes. um, to its advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and tapping into that doesn't feel comfortable mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Um, but I guess once you've tried things one or two or three times, you, know, yeah. you become more comfortable with it, a bit like this podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, what about, uh, so I guess... Going back to when you first came to Australia in around about 2010, was yeah. it? Yeah, I think it was 11 actually. I Maybe made 11. a mistake there. Yeah, 2011. So, what, I guess, what was the main reason for the decision at the time to sort of take the big leap to, to move to Australia? And where, what was your last place of address in, in the UK or yeah. wherever it was yeah. prior to, to living in, yeah. in, in Australia? Yeah. So the very last year um, I was in the UK, we lived in a little town called Nuneaton. And whereabouts is that? Which mean? is about eight miles from Coventry. Okay, so, so when very I'd, close to, to where you originally were. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, lived all over the place. So we'd finished on the um, massive M1 joint venture project, which yep. was in Nottingham. So I was living away from home then, and then yep. ended up moving back to Nuneaton. Mm-hmm. And ended up managing a poor performing business unit. Um, in the organisation that I was working for and my husband who I also met on, in the const- on the construction project I was working on ended up working down in London so mm-hmm. we became passing ships I was travelling on a Monday morning sleeping in a hotel all week coming back on a Friday he was getting on a train down to London yep. every day and back and meeting on Friday yep. fall asleep on the sofa and pack your case yep. repack your case that, that kind of scenario mm-hmm. and I'd always had in my mind after um qualifying with the management accounting chartership that at some point in my life I would live and work abroad and that that was an experience that I really wanted to have. Um, I'm a big passionate traveller and I thought if I could mix that with also living in a country and working in a country that would be something I could tick off my bucket list. And my husband came home one day and it was just an opportune moment um, on the Friday night he had a conversation with me that he'd been headhunted for a role in Melbourne and I got really excited because I'd never even had this conversation with him before about this passion that Mm. I had Mm. and asked him well what what did you say he said oh I've told them you know 
that's way too big for me to think about. Mm. I've never thought about moving to the other side of the world. <coughs> um, ring me again in six months. Uh, at that point, I that's was what just, are you mad? <laughs> Here's an opportunity right in front of you for us to go to Melbourne together. But what, did, was he sort of, uh, at the time, I mean, that sort of response to me would sort of says, okay, well, I don't want, I'm not ready to leave home yet. Yeah. It, so, but he, the, he sort of jumped straight into it, in, into the plunge, and that's what happened? Well, I guess he's a bit more risk adverse yeah. than I am. Yeah. Um, I saw opportunity. Yeah and adventure Mm -hmm. and I guess if things don't work out you're not a tree you can move Mm. somewhere else and go back to where you originated from so um, the GFC had hit at the time and the construction industry was contracting Mm. it seemed like a really good Mm. time to be moving and Mm. things don't work out you Mm. You, you change them, don't you? Yeah. And so then, what, what what sort of led to the move to Brisbane then from Melbourne? Work opportunities again. Yeah. Um, so generally in the construction industry, you're following the work. Yeah. Um, so there was another opportunity that came up here in Queensland, um, both for myself and for my husband. Yeah. So we had a long chat. Yeah, had a long chat about, hmm, do we really want to be living in Queensland? It's really hot there. It is. <laughs> There's less people. Um, and potentially, town, yeah. yeah, less opportunities. Um, mm. Still, still, always great opportunities in Brisbane. Like yeah, exactly, and that always found. Yeah, for anybody. Yeah, exactly, and that was the long chat we were having about: do we, don't we, do we, don't we? And I reminded my mm. husband Jason, "Hey, we had this conversation about moving from the UK to Australia. Yeah. We're really not moving that far, and mm-hmm. if it doesn't work out, we can always yep. move back." That's so there we go. Yeah, so that's that story. Okay. Um, I guess, and how have you sort of found uh, Brisbane since you've been here? Have you sort of found it uh, is something you really enjoy being here? You, you, you've uh, been thankful for, thankful for the move? And yeah, the it's been um, really interesting because the first couple of years we were actually based at the north end of the Gold Coast. Mm. So I had the wonderful opportunity of living on an island I'm in Paradise Point called Ephraim Island Okay. and look I was working from home um, for the first year and looking out across the beautiful water and mm. seeing dolphins swimming past and mm. going down to the beach to eat my lunch at lunchtime yep. um, so that was a really beautiful part of and welcome I guess to Queensland um, that I wouldn't have had anywhere else in the world I'd imagine um, and then um, we moved again, again for another opportunity um, that my husband had this time. And um, we moved to Cleveland, so we lived down near Raby Bay, yep. again near the water. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of ponds down there. Um, yeah. 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 And then more recently, we've now moved to the north side, so that's exciting too now. Um, so there's been yeah lots of opportunities, new relationships that we've built. Got some great friends here. So how long have you been on the north side for now? Oh, since September. What, two months? Very new. Month. Yeah, well, yeah, go. September, yeah. So it's been uh, an interesting few months, I suppose, because we've moved house, my husband's changed his job, I've set up my You've own business. Yep. Yeah. We've downsized from a four-bedroom property to a two-bedroom apartment. Um, the challenges of squeezing all that stuff that you've hoarded over the years into a yeah. two-bed. Two yes, 
ditch it, store it, sell it, keep it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of doing a little bit of that the last 12 months, just trying to get rid of clutter, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so that's been um, an exciting time, I think, and I'm enjoying being closer to the city. A lot yep. of my friends are on the north side. Yep. Um, I've probably got more friends north side than south side, to be honest, so okay. it's been quite a natural move for us in the end. Yeah, and that's certainly great. Um, you would have, you know, you, you just moved at, at the time where you know Howard Smith Wars was all sort of finished, yeah. uh, just on the, this side of the Story yeah. Bridge. Um, so Love Greca there. The sorry, Gre- the Greek place, Greca. I haven't been to that one, but uh, it's good. But yeah, it's 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 obviously very new. You obviously got the city, the valley, South Bank, all pretty close yeah. uh, vicinity for any sort of places to go. So. Uh, it's certainly great, but as far as you said, you're a bit of a traveller. What other um, destinations in the world have you loved to to travel to? And would you see? Is there any other place in the world that you could see yourself living other than Brisbane? Even. Um, I'll answer the last question first because my husband and I talk about that a fair bit, actually. Already, okay. Um, if I try and picture somewhere in the UK to live and work again neither of us has a picture in our head which I think probably speaks volumes Yes. and that we're very happy being here in Australia and we deem this our home Mm -hmm. Um, no matter what state I guess we're in, Mm -hmm. loved Melbourne loving Brisbane Mm -hmm. Um, so this is really our our home now and yes you Mm -hmm. miss your family and your friends and the history and Mm -hmm. the castles and going to the pub Mm -hmm. Um, but there's other things here I guess that um, hold you here mm-hmm. um, the same as there are in the UK mm-hmm. um, so I'm, I'm loving being here and the first part of the question was travelling what other travelling. destinations you've yeah. liked and is there any, any other destinations you felt that you may have, could live in as well I guess uh, well looking up at your wall here where you've got the Remarkables in um, New Zealand loved it there I spent three weeks travelling the South Island oh, um, it's, it's wonderful isn't it it really is spectacular um, I've been there a number of times my, myself. Haven't done the North Island yet. Um, I love planning holidays, researching holidays, um, and attending holidays. Yeah, of course. Um, I tend to do a lot of that work up front, and then I'm the kind of person who then turns up and goes with the flow. Mm-hmm. But there's been lots of planning beforehand, I guess, mm-hmm. to make sure that I get the maximum amount out mm-hmm. of the time that I'm going to be in that country, and to make it feel special, I guess. Yeah. Um, I love travelling to underdeveloped countries. Okay, um, I haven't really done much of that, really. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be learnt from underdeveloped countries and the the what cultures. What some of the examples of ones that you've been to? Been into anything in particular? Uh, last year, I went to Cambodia. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of poverty there. Yes. Um, and it's quite humbling, I I feel when you're visiting countries like that to see how other people are living and also how happy a lot of them are they mm. have pretty much nothing some of them have you know no it's no. amazing they don't know what the rest of the world's like and, and you can see you can see exactly how happy they still are even though you know how would you feel in that sort of position you know knowing what you know sort of you know that's right well i think what do they say you're only two or three paychecks away from being homeless yourself so two or three paychecks so I think it's always interesting to um, 
visit those countries, understand how other people are living and, and really get a sense of what it is that they really value in, in life versus what we value in, in our lives. Um, and that's, that's probably a big part of, of myself as well. I tend to involve it, myself in not-for-profit organisations and, and charities um, to use, I guess, my skills um, as a power for, for good. Um, so one of the other organisations I'm involved with is um, called Big Heart or Big Art, depending on the play of words that you so how is like So is it art to. or heart? Is it? Well, both I would suggest. It's the, the play on words, Big Art. So they're an arts organisation, yeah. but they're, you know, they make change and they build community mm. and they resolve social injustice mm. um, that's going on in, in communities yep. through the application of art. Um, and not being a particularly massively artistic person, um, I saw that as an opportunity um, both for myself on a personal level but also to help other people. Yep. Um, they're, they're quite a big organisation. They've been around for... 30 years and yeah I'm involved in a number of their projects so that's cool okay that's cool excellent and uh, any other sort of charities that you're I guess fond of or support I'm off this weekend to support the McGrath Foundation in in New South Wales Mm -hmm. Um, there's a big event that's occurring there this weekend um, that I'm helping out with do you you follow cricket as well or do you like something you I could do if I need to. <laughs> What's happening in the cricket no, world? No, that's McGrath. That obviously came from a cricketer, Glenn McGrath. Yeah. Um, where I sort of go with that, but uh, he's, he's always been. It's, it's always been a great cause that particular one when it comes to what he yeah. he did for his yeah. uh, uh, wife. So yeah, um, yeah. Now the McGrath Foundation, very fairly well known around Australia. That, that's yep. for sure. Yep. Um, they've yeah certainly. Uh, so you, so this um, the process of being now that you sort of. You, you get the start, you know, at the process where you're starting your own business. Yeah. Um, is it sort of, you've obviously a lot of thought, and I'm knowing you're methodical, you've got that methodical thinking sort of way of doing things. This is something that just hasn't happened overnight. You've been thinking about this for a while, haven't you? Oh, you caught me out there. <laughs> yeah, I guess in the thought process has probably been kicking around for maybe 18 months. Yeah. Um, and then, in all earnest, has probably ramped up significantly. I guess this and year. Closer to, yeah, yeah, I think with the previous company, I'd um, invested as much as my time, effort, and skills as I could have done over the last few years to grow it to where it is now. And then, you know, when you feel like you're possibly on a bit of a hamster mm. wheel, and you feel like things are a little bit samey mm. um, in an organisation. Yeah. Um, I'd kind of got to that point, I guess, and it was time for the new challenge or the new adventure. Um, so whilst this was brewing in the back of my mind, um, I started doing a little bit of planning. As an accountant, you would you yep. would know I've probably set up multiple Excel spreadsheets of, you know, what's the budget look like, the cash flow, the pipeline etc that sits around it um but really it is in its infancy in terms of um the launch of the yeah. the business mm-hmm. um right now but it's exciting very exciting it's very exciting when you sort of either yes you've got that all of a sudden yes you've been in leadership roles and unless you yes you've sort of progressed your career along to be able to obtain those skills and be able to to assist on, on 
in, in different ways. Uh, but getting to that point where you either sort of, you know, buying into your own business or starting your own business, um, it's it's a it's a certainly a, a, something you you look forward to for you know obviously the time leading up. It just doesn't happen overnight a lot of the time. It sort of takes a couple of years to. That's right. To structure it the, that particular way, and then once you're in, once you've sort of jumped in, it's yeah. a matter of okay, let's let's look at year one, let's look at and see what we want to do in that year, and, yeah. and let's see if we're gonna you know what you know make sure that whatever you've got be envisaged, you know what you're planning that actually is going to happen, actually does happen. Yeah, and, exactly. Um, that's that's the that's the thing to keep coming back to: is is it happening or not, or is it doing better than even I thought, or Da da da. Be beware. Yeah. Be realistic. Uh, but be of the the you know of this sort of opinion that you know you need to strive to you know it's not going to come easy either. You need to you need you'll need to do this. You'll need to go out and see that client in the middle of nowhere or you know. Yeah, exactly. I think you know being flexible and adaptable when you're running your own business is really critical. Mm. Um, and the commitment that goes along with that is, is clearly a significant part of running your own business. Um, yep. But I also believe at the same time that that would be one of the core um, pillars of our business in terms of um, the commitment and having that focus, I guess, of a, of a you grow, we grow type of mentality where you're creating lasting value and growth and really establishing long-lasting relationships with um, your clients that you build over time. Yep. 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 So, uh, I guess, uh, what else could I say about uh, anything else that you want to bring up? Any other, any other stories you wanted to tell today on the podcast, Cara? I don't. I don't know. I've got like Carla, sorry. <laughs> I've got loads. I should have come more prepared, but I didn't. <laughs> no, you've come. You have come somewhat, somewhat prepared. I mean, there was the, obviously the story for the incident. That's yep. obviously something we come back to. Uh, but obviously a bit about your journey in business, a bit about your journey coming out of the UK, yeah. um, a bit about the Melbourne and then to Brisbane yeah. discussion and also uh, I guess a bit about so being you know, management accounting in the construction industry, yeah. uh, sort of cover that a bit, so a bit about some of your travels, what you know, obviously charities that you like to support yeah. and what sort of and what other sort of hobbies do you have? Is there anything else that we missed? Um, I guess one of the other things I'm, I strive for, like we started to talk about earlier, is being an advocate for women. Um, yeah. I'm a massive LinkedIn fan, as you can probably check if you have a look at yeah, my, well, you my profile. Yeah, well, up there, but... Uh, um, and I think it's really an untapped when, 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 platform. How long have you been using, how many years have you been using LinkedIn, do you think? Uh, I think I set up my account maybe in 2008 or 9, yeah. potentially. Yeah. And I think most people back then were using it as a dumping mm. ground for your mm. CV. Yep. Um, and really, I guess that came into its own when I arrived in Australia, and I mm. think I had about 100 connections. Mm. Um, Australians definitely in business quite use it quite, uh, you know, especially the professional side of it. They do, they're on it, a lot of them. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 hard not to find people on LinkedIn yeah. than it is to not you know so it's just as easy to find them on LinkedIn as it is to on Facebook or you know any, anywhere else mm-hmm. I guess and that's more of a professional setting so you're gonna have connections that aren't your you know that aren't you your Facebook's a different world 
that's the professional that's the world, world of networking. Yeah. And it's the biggest free marketing tool in the world. Yeah. Why would well, you not be trying? I think, yeah, it, it is free if you want to use it for free. Um, yeah. If you want to use it for free, yeah. Mm. Plus the, the the different criteria of subscriptions, yep. but mm. I think from a um, self promotion, insight sharing, yep. learning, generating, um, you know, your who are you? Mm. Um, what is it you're all about, and what's the value that you've got to add? It's a really good platform, I think, for people who, um, like we were talking about earlier, maybe slightly introverted, yep. where it gives them a little bit more. Of a, of a voice mm-hmm. um, and the self-promotion piece I think for women is is really quite important mm-hmm. you know men are great they go down to the pub and they go hey did you see what I did this week it was bloody amazing mm. I achieved x y and z um, mm. you know with the, as women we don't tend to do that as well we don't promote what amazing things we've been doing because mm. I'll go back to what I said earlier we just think we're doing our job um, so I think okay. there's a, a lot to be said for assisting other women with self-promotion, and I think LinkedIn is potentially yeah, a platform think, for. I mean, I've met quite a few people, quite a few um, women in business as well, and yeah. um, they're not all. This, everyone's different, as you know, yeah. and there are some that, that certainly uh, they come from the culture. They're always coming from a, a sort of a different cultural background mm. um, to most let's call it most Australians and uh, their mentality is some of the ones that I know um, you know they, they're there to try to achieve you know they want to be known as achievers yeah as well um, so they want to to be the best of the best in their field whatever that field is and be known for that uh, and some of them get to that point some of them that, that, that are the right sort of you know characters or people that that, that can sort of you know jump to the, the top and they expect nothing less they they'll, they'll make sh- they'll sort of be they'll see things um, from that point of view I guess yeah. uh, but you're, you're right I mean predominantly most of the women are there to to um, what you're saying I think is correct in that uh, they, they they try to do their job well and if they get recognized then that's that's really a, that's a, a sometimes a bonus they don't even expect you know as well yeah so there is that mentality as well so it's quite interesting yeah and I think as leaders we need to try and make it an equal playing field for oh, men definitely. and women yeah, and it's quite clear that that really doesn't exist no. still um, you look at construction for example um, particularly in the building industry and the trade side there's two yep. percent of women in mm-hmm. the building trade side yeah yet there's thousands of jobs that are trying to be filled why aren't they being filled by this women who are skilled in those roles um so yeah there's there's some challenges there there i guess around those different industry areas Sim- similar with the software industry that i was in you know that's highly male dominated as well yeah we're just not making it particularly easy for um some women to join um, those organisations so that's where we need to apply different types of innovative thought and leadership styles and mm. also development of policies to allow mm. those people in mm. but I guess from the because you deal a lot in women in business I mean what what do you think is there um, I mean are they sort of free-flying enough generally to say look 
pick an industry, there's, there's women that want to go into every different industry, yeah. or is it a case of you think that there are particular industry that women completely, you know, they will avoid going into as well? Um, there's possibly some avoidance, um, but I guess is that because there's a gender bias in yeah. that industry yeah. is is the is the root of it for me. Yeah. If there's a gender bias and historically, uh, I think that's all it is. It's history. It's not kind of pointing the yeah. finger of blame at anyone. Mm-hmm. Historically, if that particular industry has been male dominated, then the tools and the resources and the training, etc., will be tailed towards mm-hmm. the. The, the male gender rather than male and yeah. female mm-hmm. um, so there's a lot of unpicking mm. historically I think to try and move towards a more inclusive um, playing field and making it equal for everybody mm. um, the same can be said in some of the other industries I guess that are more dominated by um, women than they are men um, so it's yeah yeah definitely well that, that, that it goes in reverse in a way doesn't it yeah like, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, any, any other sort of anything interesting to sort of finish up with? I think uh, we've covered off about at least three quarters of an hour in, in, the, in the as far as time for the podcast today. It's been quite interesting conversation, but uh, it's certainly been great to to get to know you, Carla, over the you know this only in the last hour that we've sort of really yeah. sort of chatted there really for the first time. So it's 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 been quite uh, quite good to find out something new about you know somebody uh, that's here in Brisbane now um, that we didn't know before so that I think that always leads to something that's interesting as far as a conversation everyone's got a different background and uh, everyone is here in Brisbane for a different you know for um, at a different time or a different reason yeah as well so um, it's been it's been fantastic to have you in on the podcast today thank you very much homie it's been good no worries thank you very much that's uh, been the podcast for today uh, we'll try to get this uploaded. We'll try to share it around to everyone that you know. Okay, Carla. Thank you very and, much. And uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on, and I'll thank uh, Carolyn for the introduction as well. Thank you.